I have come here to Krakowie, and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass. Are you watching closely? I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the movie we watched at midnight was Paul Michael Glazier's Band of the Hand. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. Luke? Set in the year 1986, a group of juvenile misfits who have been locked up for various reasons are forced to be entered into a rehabilitative program which they learn how to survive off the land and for all intensive purposes, become badasses. <laughs> <laughs> under, under the wing of the creator of this program, Joe, a Vietnam War veteran, this group of misfit, misfits discover a self-esteem within themselves and hopefully will begin to change their lives and the lives of everyone around them for the better. And we start off this movie with the trailer where really interesting one. It was straight up a one minute clip about 15 minutes into the movie um, of just straight up the film. And the question I'm left with is, does it do a good job of setting up the movie for an audience? And there's a sort of a yes and no. Like you can definitely pick up that they're criminals being dropped off, being dropped off by the police. Um, but really, other than that, it gives you no expectations of what's going to happen. I, I'm a big fan of this type of trailer. Don't get me wrong, because I, yeah, I never see it. But it probably needed a bit more from something else in the movie, or it needed a little bit of something else just to actually inform the audience, because it didn't really do a lot of that. And a trailer kind of has to do, a, I think, a smidge more information than this one does. And it really honestly leaves me wondering if this is the actual trailer for every trailer we use like the imdb trailer one that's the trailer we always go off of when we talk about the movie and so that was the only trailer they had the only other trailer i could find was something on youtube that was for like a tv slot and so i'm not really sure if this is the genuine trailer if it was it was a bold move and maybe that's why it sort of left the movie the way it was. Ooh. Uh, the people who wrote this movie, we got two of them this week. We got Leo Garin and Jack Barron. Uh, from what I saw, these guys aren't really specifically writers in the film industry. I saw a lot of different stuff from acting to producing to working on sets and a ton of different stuff. So it appears as though these writers aren't diehard writers um, but yeah, that was, those, those were the two people who directed this movie, Nash. That makes a lot of sense too. When you combine with the fact that Paul Michael Glazier isn't just a director. In fact, I'd probably say he's less director than anything. He's got, I think most of his experience in Hollywood as an actor. Um, he was the original Starsky and Starsky and Hutch. Um, you can see him for a moment in the remake, um, with Owen Wilson and Stiller, uh, but he most notably directed Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Kazam, and some episodes of the TV show Miami Vice, which it definitely feels like had a heavy influence in this movie. 
Uh, you didn't put enough emphasis on Kazam. But his movie, oh, sorry. <laughs> his movie is starring uh, a ton of people. So first, um, the Vietnam War veteran I mentioned earlier is played by Stephen Land. His name is Joe. Then I'll give you the cast of our misfits. So we have Michael Carmine playing Ruben, John Cameron Mitchell playing JL, Danny Quinn playing Carlos, Leon playing Moss, and Al Shannon playing Dorsey. Uh, then we have Lauren Holly Nikki, who has uh, the romance plot in the movie, uh, Lawrence Fish. Burns slides his way in there for a little bit and we also have James Ramar playing Nestor you probably remember him as Dexter's father from the uh, Showtime series yeah and uh, going forward it is going to get very confusing when we talk about these characters at least for me some terrible names mm-hmm. and I don't I think Carlos is one whose name they mention the most <coughs> I would say he's probably the bleed of the movie Um. so the theme is we have to say being able to survive and that's because it's blatantly brought up in the beginning of the movie when they're in the swamp and in the other parts of the movie i'm not going to reveal because it wasn't in the trailer they uh still have to struggle with that concept so definitely has to be about being able to survive um the custom soundtrack was noteworthy just because, like I said, the trailer seemed kind of lacking, but they had this whole other soundtrack, which was made by Bob Dylan. And who else was it? It was Tom Petty um, and the Heartbreakers was on there. Yeah. Stevie Nicks was a background singer. It was it was a lot of people. I was surprised. Yeah. For such a massive sort of soundtrack um, with pretty huge artists, You'd kind of expect to see that in the trailer or something else or used a little bit more. But the song itself that we see in the beginning of the movie, it's it shows the ruthlessness of the vigilante justice thing that's going to be used to sort of confront the immoral underground drug world. Which, honestly, if you were going to take any clip from the movie, it would probably would have been that intro song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that really sets the stage for all of who these kids are and stuff. But before we get to more discussion, the infamous thumbs up or down, Luke, what are we giving it? Giving it a thumbs up? Yeah, I will I'll, discuss I'll it. I'll agree. I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up, too. Yeah, we will discuss <laughs> yeah, we it. We will discuss it. In the discussion. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. It, was, it was an enjoyable movie. And now. Spoiler alert. All right. So. <laughs> Components of the theme. It's definitely about being able to survive. Yeah. Um, which, which I think they do. But there's a heavy undertone of what Joe wants for them, right? For sure. Like, I would they, say the rehabilitation kind of takes the center stage in terms of why they're actually in this situation, you know? Yeah, like him teaching them how to survive is sort of like his end goal, just because all the other kids that he had died. Yeah, you know? straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if being able to survive is sort of the forefront, then it means that they cannot survive the way they are living. So we're going to have to see a lot of character change, mainly because there are a lot of characters. Yeah. The, the characters themselves don't necessarily have to change a lot. 
but all of them do have to change for that to sort of be achieved. And it's up in the air. It's up in the air, man. So I think the first thing I kind of really want to discuss with you is the potential of this movie and the possible lost potential of this movie, in my opinion. And I think starting on the components of them changing their life is a pretty good place to start. Cause the first time I really kind of thought that it was going to be a little lackluster was when they were back in Miami after they already went out into the woods with him and began to learn survival. I kind of felt as though it wasn't really clear what they were learning about themselves or what they were learning um, in how to act like a team together, what they were learning to really change their self-esteem. It kind of just felt like a bunch of scenes in the woods with some comic relief. And then they were in Miami again. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. And my biggest point to agree with that is remember they're doing their last task of having to track him and we saw like that panther, right? Yes. And I don't know if you remember, but I was like, all right, if this panther doesn't come up later in the movie, that's a point off. Yeah. I, 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 and, I'm probably pretty sure I was like, dude, that was pretty uh, anticlimactic, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. You were. And, that, and that's a very good point to be made, especially when we spend a lot of time investing in this part where we're getting to know them and we're getting to try to see their change sort of in the swamp. And we do kind of, but like you said, it really isn't enough to push us forward. And that left them like once they finished, once they find him at like that concert, I guess, in the bayou. Yeah, the bayou <laughs> party. It's kind of like, is that it? Like that, that, it really didn't feel like they had necessarily done enough. And I guess my I guess my question is sort of for you is, do you think that was because of like sort of the quick transition from like them being there for two days versus them being there for like a week or a month or however much time? Yeah. Or or was it something of just not seeing enough of all of them together? I think it was a combination of both, man, because um, from what I recall, it wasn't super clear how long they were actually out in the bayou like that. Um, from 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 what I from what I remember, it was that kind of rough timeline. And then they get there, they're having the argument still, and then we cut back to Miami to kind of show um, Nestor and and Nikki's situation and how that's going to escalate towards the end of the movie, which is fine. But once we came back from it, they were like already jumping levels, and I kind of just felt like. I wasn't getting a really good read on who they were at the start. And when it's like that, I feel like it's kind of hard to look at where they grow. And it's not even that the characters aren't necessarily defined, but just that we didn't spend a ton of time with them before they were already changing. So like that Bob Dylan song we brought up, um, once we realized it was written for the movie, it makes total sense because everything in the first montage when we're meeting these characters lines up with his song. And so that's really our only introduction to these characters. We see Carlos and Moss fighting in the street. We see JL shoot his abusive father. We see, um, the dude get busted for like all the cocaine and stuff. And then we're in juvie and then they're in juvie for like less than 10 minutes. Then we're already going out to the bayou. And so I just felt like it was kind of lacking in really allowing me to know who the characters were and why they needed to grow other than just being like, yeah, they're juveniles. And that is, that is incredibly important just because 
if sort of the plot needs us for it to be successful, quote unquote, it we need to see that change. And so to not have as much establishing who they are, because there are a lot of them and that would be difficult. But still, there was definitely room left in the movie to show more of them in that swamp. And I imagine they have tons of footage of them there. You know, Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like it was amounting to anything until it amounted to something. You know what I mean? Like they were kind of still in like, um, oh, for example, here's a good example. Um, Moss and Carlos. What's his name? Carlos. Yeah. Moss and Carlos are have the beef. They're fighting all the time, which is pretty funny. You know, it's a good dynamic to have in the group. And um, JL doesn't speak up and yell at them until they're already on the mission to go find Joe at the Bayou party, right? So it was like they were out in the woods for all this time and JL didn't say a single word. And then finally he said something as they were fighting on the way there. So it was like there wasn't even that much change in the characters until they were on the final journey to get there. So like if you want to look at it through the lens of the second half of the movie when they're back in Miami, to me, it didn't felt like they were the ultimate macho badasses who were going to go take on the drug cartel um, because I didn't see those changes until they were already on their final mission out of the bayou. You know what I mean? Like, I just really felt like our characters jumped from level one to level 45 and someone just used a cheat. We weren't actually in there grinding (laughs) away those days on the game. You know what I mean? No, that's a very good point. Um, It's especially sort of when they immediately get to Miami and they have to redo the hotel. It's sort of like, well, they just went through this challenge, but it seems like they really haven't changed their outlook on anything else. You know, when they see those, the people that are squatting in the hotel, it's kind of like, you'd think that they would have an immediately different sort of approach rather than going straight back to how they were before they entered the swamp. Yeah, exactly. And like the only indication we have is Joe's perspective saying all these boys finally got a self-esteem to um, that that social worker or whatever, who I don't think he was a social worker, whatever kind of worker he was. That was like the, the time Joe was like, well, their self-esteems have changed. And um, to me, it just felt like I didn't see that. It did, I didn't feel like they showed me in a very good way, like how that change actually happened. And in a lot of movies, stuff like that would like totally cut the movie off and make it be like a bad movie. And I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie. Again, I just think that it was a real waste of potential because I was really into it for the first half hour. I thought the Bayou stuff was really interesting. I didn't really care too much about how much of a ridiculous program this was that would like never happen. (laughs) Just throw them off the boat and drive away. That that is a good point because I don't think we ever brought that up while we were watching it. Is how absurd and that's kind of the type of thing we'd be like. That's kind of ridiculous. I don't think we even mentioned that. It was sort of like it had, it definitely had our interest to and acceptance, you know, for the principles that it was putting forward. But like you said, it didn't really have that capitalization. And if you're you're gonna really look at like another movie, I think that's similar. It's like I feel like you've got the holes aspect, right? Oh that's yeah, kid. yeah, that, that's yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's kids. But you, I think also you need one with a crime element, and that's probably the Usual Suspects. Yeah, okay. So it's like those two movies, which are totally different, mm-hmm. sort of. One of them is kids based around kids, right? It's based around the principle that it is a kids movie. You know, that's holes. 
And then you've got one that is totally based you, on the you mean adult usual crime. Is in a kids movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I really think the biggest thing there is that the actors that are in those movies propel it forward to be better than the original script. I totally agree with that. I think that's a really great point, and that happens in a ton of movies, and is why actors like in Usual Suspects like push it to that next level you know like you want to talk about usual suspects in seven kevin spacey is the common denominator who's just a really great actor and so because this movie was directed by somebody who doesn't have a ton of directing experience per se even though they're really well known in the film world and then we have a ton of quote-unquote no-name actors who aren't extremely famous like maybe that can just kind of go into the reason why it was so lackluster and i feel like this is why um, all these years later, everyone knows the usual suspects, but not that many people know Band of the Hand. Yeah. And it's you just consider like the usual suspects. And that's the thing, because all these movies center around criminals getting arrested. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. They're all around holes as juveniles. So it's closely related to that. But the rating really separates the type of movie it is. The usual suspects, it's sort of a more accurate look at. You know, de- there are definitely kids in the drug war. Like that's just a fact. There are definitely kids doing that that have to grow up quick. And you take a look at the usual suspects. You've got Kevin Spacey, Benicio del Toro. Uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, the guy that's Dean Keaton. I have no idea. <laughs> Gabriel Bear. Gabriel something. Um, Kevin Pollock. Like they're all incredible actors, and they can use. Um their own improvisations to make the movie incredible. Like that, the lineup scene is probably one of the best examples of improvisation, really making that scene noteworthy because Benicio del Toro in it is, is making a joke of it that wasn't scripted. Yeah. You know? And so that, that is just, that's what throws this movie out of way. Same with holes is you've got, you know, uh, What's his name? Elijah Wood. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. I'm sorry. You know, I guess guess Elijah Wood and Shia LaBeouf could be confused kind of easily, right? I guess they're kind (laughs) of (laughs) similar. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Elijah Wood. And, you know, so it's those specific people that really make those movies great. And I think that is an important factor in movies like this. Um, Because, honestly, one of the other only ones I can think of is, like, The Dirty Dozen. Where it's like a band of misfit criminals. You know, uh, young, young, young Guns is a good one. It's like a Western movie that has like a little group of them. But um, another point I wanted to make was I also felt like Joe wasn't really carrying the movie in any way either. You know, the character he was playing was supposed to be very straight faced, upfront, um, kind of like like um, black and white in, in in a way like that's just the way he sees the world. But I felt like he his character wasn't really like pounding it pounding it away i don't know why i just said pounding it away it wasn't like like <laughs> se- like sending it home you know what i mean like it felt like it was kind of not phoned in but kind of phoned in but that was like the point of his character so the 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 beat around the bush point i'm trying to make is just that like i don't really know if anybody really rose to the top of this movie as being the amazing actor and i feel like this movie was kind of riding on the idea that this the group of these five people 
like would be fire you know what i mean like we what like what do you write one of these movies it's like you have five conflicting personalities that play off each other a ton and the whole battle between carlos and moss is honestly like pretty interesting and like funny to watch and everything and those are the ones that really have the character and then we have um i forget uh michael michael carmine played ruben ruben and like ruben is like the uh the like big drug guy where's where he's like don't push me in that water you're gonna ruin my suit and it's like there was a lot of potential in these characters, but I just felt like the chemistry wasn't there at the end of the day. So then all the stuff that's happening around them, whether it just be like fighting drug lord Lawrence Fishburne in Miami, it's just kind of like cool action. There wasn't that much weight behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I would totally agree with that because you need like this script, you know, was there, like you said, that potential was there. But when you've got a movie of a bunch of different characters you need an actor that is going to abuse the fact that they are different characters that needs to be so blatant and plain and obvious that they can all stand out on their own. And I don't necessarily think you get that. They're not sort of dynamic enough, not because of the writing, the writing I think does leave room for them to be dynamic enough. It's really just a matter of the acting itself doesn't do a good job of, here's each character here's how they change like uh who is the explosives kid um jl i think he's a prime example because he really doesn't change at all he talks you know once during the swamp but then we don't really see him do it again in the other later parts of the movie we see we see sort of the same character that we're left with and so that character isn't necessarily dynamic enough to do a good enough job to say this is what sort of hooks you in and makes you love the movie, which is that's exactly why you love the usual suspects because all the characters are so different and watching them interact with each other is so much fun. Yeah, and you know, I think on the other side of the spectrum, true with the bad guys, like uh, James Ramar playing Nestor, like he's a he's a pretty good actor, but that guy was just phoned in Scarface, dude. He's he's watching his nine TVs, which just seems like a terrible way to watch television, and he just yeah. has a plate of cocaine next to him, and he's like, "I told you to go upstairs and take off your effing clothes," and it's like he's clearly just trying to be the badass with no emotions who will stab some dude's hand on the boat. You know what I mean? So like, even though it's like. How many how many of those characters can we have in a movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's not it's not even that Nestor wasn't necessarily a cool villain, but it just it felt like it was all surface. You know what I mean? Like this movie this this movie is definitely all surface, and I feel like if it had really that those roots, like in a movie like Usual Suspects, like you're talking about, then it would have been like amazing. But instead, I think we're looking at like a six or seven out of ten movie instead of a nine or ten out of movie. You know. And yeah, I, and I think I, it really did have the potential to be a nine or ten out of movie. I, I agree with that, too. I think the writing did a good enough job to get there. And just to sort of round off that point, I think Lawrence Fishburne does the best job of creating that that type of persona that is totally different from everybody. But he also gets like the least amount of screen time to every character, every other important character. 
major characters. Yeah, it, it was almost questionable to have Lawrence Fishburne and James Ramar, you know, like having instead of having one focused bad guy that we know a lot about, know his intentions and everything. Instead, we had Lawrence Fishburne and James Ramar. And I feel like they're kind of just battling for screen time, you know, and when that happens, like. There's again, it's surface level. You know, it was just a Miami drug dealer who wants to kill these people who stole this dude's girlfriend. And it was just Lawrence Fishburne. The park is my territory. Get out of my park. Like, I feel like that's really all it comes down to. And I wish that it came down to more. Yeah, exactly. And to go back to a previous point, because I think we've done a good job of dissecting these actors, because that really is sort of the big push to like sort of this buddy kind of movie is all the actors can embody a totally different person yeah without sticking wholeheartedly to the script um is let's move more into the script now because i think that's definitely our favorite part of this movie and how it doesn't use as many it uses like that base trope these criminals got together and you know they were you know saved and learned their lesson and became good people like that's the only trope it uses it doesn't abuse anybody's character traits um in the writing and to such an effect that i think the romance plot is probably one of the best ones we've seen in the movie because it moves in line with the with the main plot going on and they come back together in a nice twist so it doesn't feel forced down our throats yeah, one uh, 100%. And again, the yeah, no, that's 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 a really good point, because it's not shoved down our throats, which is usually the issue with it is that they try to force it really terribly. Yeah, and because there's so many other people in the group. Ruben isn't the star, you know, like I feel like he kind of played the character like it was mostly about him and the other guys are in it. But at the end of the day, I don't really think that's the case. And because the love story was with him and that character. Yeah, it's not it's not completely at the forefront and doesn't just make us like uh, throw up in our mouths a little bit, for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah, Um, because I think that's probably the thing we tear apart the most in movies is like they just had to throw in this that standard boilerplate Hollywood romance story. And And this movie is definitely not standard Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. And that plot is probably the best um, demonstration of that just because. You don't get it. It all makes sense. It all ties together, you know, and it also, I think, revealed a bit of a it revealed to me what I started to see as is the theme really achieved to where they're redeemed? I don't think so. Off the top of my head, maybe we can discuss it and try to find something else. But off the top of my head, it's again with that lack of potential where I just felt like I didn't see them grow enough. It felt like they were it it really felt like they were the same to me. It felt like they were the same people when they went into juvie as when they came out. Now they just have survival skills and they're friends. Yeah, it's it's sort of like defining how we survive. Or how they can how they're able to survive. They definitely become more tactical. They definitely become better at fighting, better at organizing. That's true. But the whole issue that Joe had was they went back to that. All the other kids went back to doing the same type of stuff once they left or once they were given any slight amount of freedom. Mm -hmm. And so survival isn't just a literal thing like can you were you going to make it out of the gunfight? It's 
are you going to survive longer and get out of like the drug war or the drug trade? Are you going to remove yourself from that old part of your life? And I agree. I don't think they do that. <laughs> I nah. don't think they do that at all. You know, man, I got, I got a question for you. How do you feel about um, re- relating to what we're talking about right now? How do you feel about Joe and how he mixes into all of this? Because his character, because it was so stoic, it was kind of odd to see where his intentions were. And just the way he was talking about the war on the streets, I just thought was like a little weird and out of place, you know, because it felt like. They were trying to make it like he's the Vietnam War vet who's been through a lot in his life and just wants to give back to the community. But then they come back and they try to move into this place and Lawrence Fishburne starts messing with them. And then it's like the gloves are off, dude. Like I'm not backing down anymore. There's a war on these streets. It's the same war. Like how'd you kind of feel about – I felt like they were setting up his character to not – resort to that but then he resorts to that and ends up getting shot for it i think that's a good point i didn't even consider that because he really does have this sort of totally change your lives around and then he's like well eh, maybe we can beat the crap out of these tweakers yeah that's fine like it really does sort of go against that i think the best thing about his character is that like they didn't abuse the fact that he was like native american they made a point to stay it they made a point to say it it's defining of his character because race is an important thing in this movie but they don't use tropes around it yeah and i did i did enjoy how diverse the group was yeah like because clearly there was you know, gang related violence and lo- most gangs are organized about, around race. So that makes sense as a point you can't really shy away from. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they didn't did it the way that they did do it because you saw sort of the dynamics of how everybody is a player in the, in this war, you know, on the streets. But back to Joe, that's a very good point because he really does kind of 180 towards the middle. Yeah. My big and and so I I really have to agree with you on that point. But my my big thing about Joe is would he have wanted them to go back in the end and destroy the cocaine like uh, processing plant? You know, I'm not really sure, dude, because the only motivation was to get revenge for for. taking the dude's girlfriend right like what what other i'm I'm probably forgetting another motivation but the motivation was lacking right like what motivations did they have to really stop all that stuff from affecting their lives after they already took care of lawrence fishburne and his gang right because like they were trying to just live peacefully in that area and they weren't allowed to for those reasons but yeah that's a good point dude i don't know once it's resolved it just felt to me like Okay, like I understand why they want revenge. Okay, Joe, you know, sort of took them out of their lives that were worse. But now I don't think he would want them to because what do they do? They immediately go back into that world that he's been trying to take them out of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. Did we just, we, I think we just uncovered something, dude. <laughs> crap. The <laughs> crap, dude. I don't know these motivations anymore. Like, you definitely, like, yeah, he definitely made them better uh-huh. at being able to survive literally. But his whole objective was to change their lives so they could survive differently. And in the end, he just made them better at the drug war. 
and he died in the process of fighting back as which is what he didn't want to do and then he does it and he dies in the process so yeah. i guess he's just a very conflicted character at the end of the day but i mean going back to what we were talking about the, at the beginning of the episode he's just so stoic that like it was hard to get a real read on who he was because like i feel like the scene that tells you the most about who he is and how he wants to give back to the community is when he's talking to that guy and he's like hey you're not going to walk out of this office right now i'm going to tell you why these kids are different and then a few scenes later, it's like, well, you kids aren't really that different. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It's more it's that that's really sort of the tough question that I don't think is very obvious in the movie is like, is it the fact that he can't change the world? So he just like sort of abandons all hope because it doesn't seem like that with his character. No, he behaves. it seems like he, he would never give in to that. Right. Yeah. And I. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a very good point to make, too. His character doesn't seem like he would even believe in that, especially with how he stood up to that guy. And it's like if that was supposed to be a major point in the movie, I feel like it would have been a bit more obvious and a bit more played out to see him struggling with that. And so it really becomes more of a flaw, that switch that he has in the movie than it does to sort of help. Which is totally fine, you know, because yeah. it's, it's not even that movies and storylines are supposed to be 100% absolute. This is what these characters' motivations are. But, like, I'm I'm like, I'm questioning it so much right now because it really did not give off the feeling at all that he would resort to that. And we didn't even really think about it until we started, like, discussing it. So, I'm, I'm, it's... You know, I'm I'm all for like having the ambiguity of life be in a movie because there isn't always a right answer. People are flawed, go back yeah. on themselves and all that stuff. But they really set it up like he was never going to do that. Like his diehard character trait was that he would not resort back to letting these kids get out into the world. And then, like you said, now they're just really good at the drug game. <laughs> yeah, like they're just they just became way better at the people that were there previously. So is it really too much change? It's kind of like in Mad Max, the first one that we watch, like uh, him at the very end of the movie, him chaining that guy up to the fuel tank that's about to explode and saying you can either try to saw through the handcuffs or saw through your leg. Guy, top, top badass moments all time. dude. It's like that if that happened in the middle of the movie, it wouldn't have made sense. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, we hadn't watched the change yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's really what it comes down to with Joe's character is we don't necessarily see that change. We don't see it enough. And like then, there's and a then slight he just gets hit. shot. <laughs> yeah, there's a slight hint to it. And then he's dead. Yeah. And then these kids are left with something that's totally different than what he's been sort of teaching them for the majority of the movie. And Which e even, I, even what he's teaching them is like a little questionable, dude, you know, not questionable, but like where the motivations really lie. He wants to give back to the community and get kids out of situations in which they're going to ruin their lives. But it's done in such a roundabout way of just going out into the woods and learning to survive and like... 
I don't know. I don't know. We're doing it again where we like the movie and we're slowly picking it apart. But I think this one really has some legitimate things to pick apart. But it's yeah. also like not a terrible movie. Like even though the chemistry isn't top tier, the, the group does have pretty good chemistry. Like I, there wasn't a point during the movie that I wasn't enjoying it. Just by yeah. the time it ended, I was kind of like, that was an hour and 40 minutes. I feel like they could have used that time a little bit better or even made it a, a two hour movie with the extra 20 minutes, like another 20 minutes in the bog would have made a pretty good like amount of time to watch them actually grow. Yeah. Like, and it's the, this is the, why we're picking it apart too, is it's not to say like all the flaws in this movie. It's to say we had the feeling and we really like, I, I personally really like this movie. It was a big fan. Um, and I, I know you liked it. I don't know to what extent, but I know you definitely liked it. And it's we both felt that this movie had great was good, right? That probably in its writing. And so we're just trying to explain and dissect why this movie wasn't the usual suspects, why it wasn't holes. You know, like that is really what we're trying to get at. And it, it takes a bit of thinking. We, we're just throwing as many possibilities as we can well, out there. It's, it's a little frustrating, dude. You know, it's, it's, it it's a little frustrating <laughs> to watch something that you really like. And then like, I, I kind of have this idea that if you go into a movie wanting to like it, then you're probably going to like it for this reason or that reason. But if you're a person who goes into a movie looking for a reason for it to be the greatest thing you've seen in the past forever and you like needed to have everything be perfect, then you're going to find stuff about the movie that you don't like. And so for me, it's frustrating to go into movies with like a whole heart of being like, yo, I'm going to really try to like this movie. I'm going to find things I like. I'm going to want to talk about it in a positive way and then be like, oh, wait, dude, wait, that actually wasn't that thought out. Oh, wait, dude, that actually could have been done a lot better. So like at, yeah. the, at, at, at the end of the day, like it's not a bad movie, but just like virtuosity last week, I can totally see why it's been lost in the sands of time. Yeah, that we definitely can. And the action aspect, I think, is really what throws it into why it's not one of the greats, because if the movie hadn't ended the way it did. You know, you mean say specifically they, like the, the the raid on um, the yeah. place? OK, say specifically or maybe not all of them went. Some of them, one or two of them didn't go because they're like, no, nah, Joe wouldn't have wanted that. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that, that would have added a lot of weight. Definitely. Yeah, it would have added more weight and it would have just it wouldn't have been as sort of bound to that genre of movie. And it probably would have helped achieve sort of the, the whole theme at the beginning because at least would have given you more definitions than being able to survive. And, you know, it almost feels like at the end, instead of having it be this righteous thing where they did this to change as people, it can come off as just being like, of course, this movie has a shootout at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Of course. When's the shootout? When's the final shootout? When's something going to explode again? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, When when it could have had way more. It it, it just it could it could have had way more. But I mean, that's that's just the way she goes, dude. I mean, it's a it's a movie with two villains, five main characters, a teacher and a love story. You know, that's that's a lot to jam into something. And. You know, I, I feel like the movie kind of set itself up like it could have been a franchise a little bit. We could have had multiple bands of the hands and we like all these characters and everything. Bob Dylan is just writing songs and songs and songs for bands <laughs> of the hands, bro. But like, 
No, I, I, I really think that it's not a bad movie, but it just fell short of its potential for some pretty blatant reasons. Yeah. To sum it up, Band of the Hand, it's an interesting action movie about five juvenile criminals overcoming their previous drug war characteristics. It isn't afraid to throw around the rating, even though the characters are supposed to be teens. It integrates the classic trope of people who aren't supposed to get along, finally depending and helping on each other in a way that doesn't lazily use other tropes to define the characters in the writing. Even the romantic plotline isn't forced, and it has a natural progression for the main story. It ends in classic action movie style and removes any depth that the movie could have had in the ending because it's hard to actually say if the kids are redeemed from their criminal past. Revenge is not the same as redemption. So I think that was really that well said. said. I think I think think that was really well said and encapsulated the movie. Thank you. Thank you. And with that being said, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Message us at Midnight Showing Podcast on Instagram or email Midnight Showing with Luke and Nash at gmail.com to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and future content we can bring to you. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Next week's episode, where I think we're both very excited about this one, it features the 1997 classic Event Horizon. And remember, your donations keep the blue lights on. Yo, Nash, you ready for Miami? (laughs) (laughs) That was a pretty good one. That was a pretty good one. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.